Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive podcast guest today is Misha Allen. Misha is a trainer, executive coach, and a writer with many years' experience in L&D roles in organizations. She's Scottish-born, lived in Iceland with her Icelandic Viking husband, and recently they've moved to Amsterdam. Welcome, Misha, to the Go To Thrive podcast. Woo! Hi, Vivian. Hi, Mary Jane. It's good to join you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. Misha, tell us something about who you are. Include something our listeners want to find on your LinkedIn profile, as well as something that they do know. So your why and what do you do? Okay. So as Mary Jane says, I'm, I'm Scottish. I'm, I'm Edinburgh born. And I've uh, a fair amount of experience in L&D across different sectors, the private, the public, and the charity sector. And for 11 years, I ran my own business in Iceland, designing and delivering communication and leadership courses to groups and individuals. So that stuff, I think you probably get quite a good flavor from me generally on social media. Why do I do uh, what I do? Why do I love it? Well, I think that communication skills, uh, whether you're a seasoned leader or you're fresh out of education, these are hugely important skills that can help you in the professional and the workplace, but also personally. So I love to develop people's skills, but also their confidence. And I, I think the feeling of, of helping people shine and blossom uh, from the end of a course compared to the beginning, I love that feeling and, and helping people take them on that journey. So that's why I do what I do. Um, a few things you wouldn't necessarily know about me. I'm a bit nuts about tea. There are 19 different kinds of tea in my kitchen. And uh, for my honeymoon, I went backpacking in Rwanda and Uganda. Mm, that's a good thing. What's your favorite tea? Just now, it's milky oolong. Mm, that's a, a very uh, weird taste. Yeah. But going going back on what you have uh, shared about communication, yeah, uh, developing that part because I believe that so many skills are like muscles. You need to train your muscles to keep the thing going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and what is what is it about communication? What is different in this age, or maybe for millennials, or maybe that we can use for the future part reference? Yeah, I, I think that um, it, it's often, I think a bit of a kind of a cliche and also an irony that we, we might be led to think, oh yeah, you know, we've, we've kind of got this communication thing sewn up now and, and we don't need it as much because of technology. I would argue the opposite, that we need it more than ever now because of technology. Um, I mean, the three of us are, are speaking at the moment through, through technology and it's happening more and more. But being able to engage and connect with people through technology is an emerging skill set of its own. But I don't think we'll, we'll ever take away the need for, you know, developing an energy and a rapport with people in the same room as us. And that's so important in the workplace with clients and, and colleagues and building networks and fostering trust is really important. So I don't think that will ever go away. True, true was one of the things, um, Vivian and Misha, that I that I, we shared last week at a Texic Talk session and uh, with women in, in technology. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is really a concern for a lot of people as how we're communicating with the, the, the technology that we have, that we're losing the ability to 
connect, build rapport, yeah. build relationships at a at a at a yeah a deeper level. So yeah. you're right. I I think this is not something that's going to go away. It's going to become yeah. even more important. Yeah, absolutely. And Misha, in one of your articles, you mm-hmm. wrote that exuberance and engagement are important, especially in the workplace. Now we know about the importance of engagement. How does exuberance impact performance? What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Um, I think exuberance, to, to me, I, I understand that as, as passion. So it's being able to, to communicate a passion for something, about something in quite an authentic way. Uh, and that is very inspiring and engaging to be around. And I also think that that spills over into the energy around the people that, that you're with. And there's a, a fantastic TED Talk done by uh, a chap called Benjamin Zander. I'll send you the, the link to this. I've seen it. Uh, you've, you know it. Oh, oh, yes. And he talks about shining eyes and that we should all be trying to get as many shining eyes as we can around us. Um, and I think that is, is the importance of exuberance to me. So again, it's not just in, especially leaders should be trying to cultivate this, but um, we should be trying to look for opportunities where we can have the shining eyes and help others achieve them as well. That's well said. Beautifully said. Yeah. You describe an organization's culture as comprising the following attitude, communication, clock watching, ego, and humor. With all of our go to tribe guests, we haven't yet spoken about the importance of laughter in the workplace. Can you please share with our audience why laughter is so important for us? I, I think laughter is, is really important. And I suppose, first of all, before I say a little bit more about that, I, I fully appreciate that in the workplace, we're there to get a serious job done. So I do recognize that, absolutely. But uh, as, as a consultant and working with a lot of organizations, you know, I've got the privilege of going in and feeling different energies and different cultures and atmospheres. Uh, and I think the ones where people laugh um, and have a sense of being able to feel like themselves, they can share a joke, that they have a connection, that they feel relaxed. I think that says a lot about trust in the organization, that they feel they can be themselves. Um, And we spend a huge amount of time at work. You know, a a recent American study showed that we spend 90,000 hours in our lifetime at work. Uh, That's a long time not to laugh. It's a long time not to laugh. Um, Other research in the UK is saying that uh, managers um, up to a third of managers are feeling that they're losing their sense of humor because of the pressures of work. So I think incorporating opportunities to, to laugh and to share a joke is really, really important. And a lot of the courses that I, I put together, I have one course that is it's quite a serious kind of business course. And at the end of it, rather than have a, a test, a formal assessment or an exam, we have a, a kind of pub quiz. So there's different rounds, very much like a pub quiz. And it's, it's, created to be fun and engaging. So people have to think, there's a strong element of competition, but there's lots of opportunities for people to laugh. Uh, And I have on occasion dressed up as an elf. Um, (laughs) This is a Christmas time though, this is not normal, not throughout the year. Um, So, you know, it's important not to take yourself too seriously as well um, in helping and encouraging other people laugh. So I think laughter is really, really important. I salute what you what you just mentioned because me at a workplace where there is no laughter, no humor, it's it's killing my soul. It's really killing my soul. So, yeah, it's really important that you that you share this uh, 
that you share the importance of laughter at the workplace with us. Yeah. Thank you. And one of the things too, that we know that, that we're more creative. If we're in a better humor, then we are more creative, more productive. Yeah. So again, it, it benefits all. And I read somewhere, and I can't quote it uh, as research, but that children laugh and smile mm. up to 300 times a day, yeah. and the average adult, 15. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's really sad. That's really it sad. Is. Something broken there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It is. But sometimes there are some companies or some cultures where laughter isn't appropriate. For instance, at a law firm or when you're doing court cases, the last thing that you want to do is defending your client while you're laughing yourself away. So I can imagine that there are some places that you have to be. Uh, it has to be appropriate to, to yeah. have fun and to have that laughter. Yeah, and, and I would completely agree. I think it's being mindful and respectful of, of the context and, and the task and the, the piece of work that's being focused on right now. Um, so absolutely, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and also in addition to that is to be mindful that you're having fun with your colleagues, with your colleagues and not at the expense yes. of your colleagues because yeah. sometimes that yeah. happens... Yeah. from time to time as well. Yeah. 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 And uh, Misha, in yeah. the same article, you mentioned the secret friend week. Mm -hmm. and how does this work in the workplace? So this is a lovely concept I came across in Iceland and it happens in all kinds of companies, public sector, private sector, and it generally lasts a week. So five business days and everybody in the company is paired up with a secret friend. And that's everybody from the most junior to the most senior. It's, it's set up very carefully. Um, and let me give you an example of that. So uh, a flat ceiling fee is introduced because the idea is that in this five days, you will be doing things that delight and surprise your secret friend. Uh, and this, this, this amount of money that um, is, is the ceiling is quite important because again, you could have somebody fresh out of college and who's on a very different pay scale to somebody who's much more senior in the company. Um, so that's agreed and, uh, between everybody in the organization. And yeah, in, in that five days, uh, the, the task and the competition is to try and delight your secret friends as often as you can. And that could be by doing things like um, their favorite kind of copy, uh, their favorite kind of cup of coffee arrives on their desk. When they're away for a meeting, they come back and the coffee is waiting for them at the desk. Their workstation could be decorated. Um, a copy of a, a favorite magazine could be there. Um, a YouTube video of a song or a pop group that they love could be emailed to them. Um, one of my husband's favorites was he got a plate of sushi and a non-alcoholic beer for one lunchtime. So these are just some examples of what can happen. So this happens throughout the five days. And then the Friday at the end of this, everybody comes together for a nice social activity. And at that point, the friends are revealed. And so the task is to try and remain under the radar for as much as you can for that five days so that nobody has clicked who got you and who you got. So it's, um, it's, it's wonderful. And the morale that increases in, in the place, you know, all the feel-good endorphins and, and team spirit. And if the secret friend that you've got, if you don't know a lot about them, then you, you need to find out about them from their colleagues. So it really helps people get to know other people that they might not have known beforehand. So it's a very, um, I think it's a very kind of joyful and kind way 
of creating and fostering team spirit. It's fantastic. Oh, it, sounds, it sounds great. It sounds great. I'd love to see it in, in action. Yes. It sounds very amazing. It, it really reminds me of the joyful month of December where you are having, where you are getting gifts from somebody you don't know yet. And then all of a sudden that person reveals himself and exactly. tells you. It's a bit like Here's secret my Santa. Gift. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah. definitely. How has Humpty Dumpty helped <laughs> you develop a growth mindset? I'm really curious about that. Um, so this was the title of a blog that I'd written. It was a blog that contained Humpty Dumpty and Beyonce. It, it didn't make sense. Beyonce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and Humpty Dumpty, that, that, that common pairing. Um, how has it helped me? I think all kind of learning takes us through bumps and bruises and, you know, becoming the next version of ourselves. Um, and it's about just being open to that. And one story that I have that kind of demonstrates it in my early 30s, I went backpacking to Vietnam. And amongst many things that I learned, I learned how to cross the road. Which sounds kind of crazy because, you know, I thought I mastered that when I was four or five. I thought I'd nailed that one. But in Vietnam, there's a very different kind of structure and culture into you walk quite calmly and methodically into the oncoming traffic and it weaves around you. Um, but this is quite a, a daunting, um, frightening thing at first. And I, I did get there. I was there for a month. I remember staying down at the street from my, my hotel room on the first night thinking, mm -hmm. I can't cross the road. What on earth am I doing? What, what have I done? And thinking, is it possible to somehow? Um, I was in Vietnam for a month. I'd flown into Hanoi. was going to work my way down to Ho Chi Minh and fly out. So there's that part of my brain, that kind of mad part of my brain thinking, can I just walk down the one side of the road for the entire month? You know, is that going to be possible? <laughs> um, but I just had to start at the beginning. And the, my very first day, um, in Hanoi was learning how to cross the road and watching other people and just doing it bit by bit and gradually and, and realizing I was as scared and nervous as I had been at four, but just, just getting on with it. And I, and I think that is what the Humpty Dumpty thing is for me, realizing that you will have bruises and bumps, but just to stick with it until you get to the next stage. That's clear. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very much so. And I can, I, I can so identify. I've been you were not and you've been. <laughs> I've been, I've been. And, and Vivian, if you haven't been, yeah. it, it is incredible. I just, I just hang on to my son, we my stepson, yeah, yeah, and his yeah. wife, and I hang on to them at the back and just follow them out into the road because <laughs> it's it, it, until you've experienced it, you can't imagine all the swirling scooters, yes. thousands of them at an intersection. It's, yes. it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Misha. Share with us your vision for thriving employees and organizations for the future. My hope for that would be that it encompasses all of the organization, in particular um, the C-suite and the senior leaders who, I mean, let's be honest, these, these people are, are so busy and their diary is crammed weeks and months in advance. But I would love to see um, that level of senior leadership um, be as committed on a regular basis to L&D. I ran a course um, a few weeks ago with the Icelandic Civil Service. It was two courses that I'd done. One was on public speaking and one was on customer care. And in each of these courses um, was uh, a woman who was the CEO of, a, of a, a big department. And I was so impressed that she'd made the time and the commitment to come on these two courses and she'd carved it out in her diary. And Because I could imagine how challenging, challenging that had been for her. 
Um, but I would love if, if more senior leaders were doing that and walking the talk and modeling the behavior that I imagine many of them want from their, their teams around them, um, that they are as committed to their learning and development as they want their organizations to be. It goes for so many areas when, when we, uh, when, what you addressed earlier with CEOs and C-suites uh, walking the talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's, a lot of it can be easier said than done. Yeah, That's true, yeah. The only way that, that employees are going to feel that they've got the space to, to do what needs to be done mm -hmm. and enjoy and thrive, it, yeah. it has to come from, from the sea level. Um, yes. It has to be endorsed. It has to be supported. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is a critical factor. Critical factor. Definitely. We're almost at the end, and I'm a bit sad, but Misha, is there any thought that you want to share with our audience or maybe some thoughts that you want to share with our audience before uh, saying goodbye? Um, I think a nice kind of thought, or maybe like a, a call to action, mm -hmm. would be to ask people, what one thing can they do every week for a year that can develop them? Ooh, what one thing one. can they do um, for every week for a year that can develop them. So to give you an example of this, I, I, I recently came across a, just an amazing example of this. Um, there's a, a chap in Edinburgh, Andrew Glidden, he's a creative designer. And he decided his, his, his first challenge was, when I have my lunch, I'm stuck at this computer, I'm stuck here with a sandwich, I'm not getting out. So he wanted to get out. So he thought, right, I'm gonna get out at least one day a week. Um, and he's a, a creative type. So his challenge to himself was one day a week, he would go outside, um, based in the beautiful city of Edinburgh, and he would sketch something for 15 minutes. Uh, and here's the kicker. This was the thing that really impressed me. He was not allowed to erase anything. So whatever he committed to paper, he had to keep. So he did this for um, every week for 52 weeks, and he now has 52 sketches. Um, and the end product of this is that he's actually created a book, but that wasn't what he set out to do. He set out to get out, um, to get some fresh air, to step away from the office. And in turn, he's highly developed his creative skills. Um, and he's got this, this beautiful product at the end of it. So that for me was an amazing example of what you can achieve with 15 minutes every week for a year. I thought that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Especially when you do that maybe on a daily basis, just go yeah. out for a walk. Yep. Uh, yep. Exactly, just little things, little things. Yeah. When they all mount up, it can be significant. Definitely. And the reward at the end of the year. Yeah. Hey, big time, oh, yeah. I know. In this case, in any way. Yeah, huge, huge. But it doesn't, I mean, that's just one example. It could be, it could just be, I think, getting out of the office 15 minutes and walking for 15 minutes in itself, that could be big enough, you know. Um, but just something that to you at, at this moment in time maybe seems small and tiny and insignificant, once you add all these building blocks up, it's huge. I heard someone give a presentation last week, and exactly this is uh, uh, one of the top level top level people at uh, Eastman, mm -hmm. and he said that it's the small the small steps mm -hmm. that can create big change over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Different context, but still applies in this case as well. Yeah, yeah. Misha, thank you for sharing these Thank valuable you. tips about what it takes for organizations, for people to thrive. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great fun. Yeah, really good fun. You're welcome. 
to the listeners, it. if you have any questions or comments regarding this episode, please share them with us on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Go to Thrive Podcast. Empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.